Mike, this is a very special moment right now. A moment that is so special that I think you should introduce what this moment is and how special it is. So this is the first time we're doing the Off the Post recording for the questions that we're going to get each week, Joe, in a separate podcast. And we're doing this because... We're a part of the Vox uh, conglomerate umbrella machine. No, he was, you know, that was completely um, unprovoked. I, I didn't plan, I didn't prepare him for that at all. But this is the question podcast, so I figured I should ask him some questions. Yes, this is the off the post. This is the second of two recordings this week. It's really the first time that uh, we've gone ahead and uh, done this. Last week we did one full show because, again, it was our first week on the Vox podcasting family, but this week is the first go around. So you heard the very first show, which had our special guest, Dan Carcillo, on it. Um, and now we are going to give you the Q&A portion of um, the next show, which is actually all this is. So Mike, it's called Off the Post. Mike came up with it because he's super creative. And I think we, hey. just, need to, um, think we just need to get right into it. We're going to start heavy, too. And I apologize if any of you hear like the beeping or trucks moving around they're fixing all the storm drains on my street and you would think it was world war three outside so I apologize. i'd also like to apologize because joe has not shown me any of these questions well that's the point and you know damn well that i haven't really read through them yet either so it's kind of like it's a surprise for both of us oh there you go we're both equally unprepared and that's exactly the way that it should be our people would expect nothing more and by the way i just wanted to thank everybody because our uh our show got probably some of the best numbers that we've done in a few months um the first show that we had in the vox family so thank you all you're all super kind to have done that all right question number one team gb mid-season report card on coach quinn is he caught between winning and developing question mike i think it's fair to say that he's caught he's in that no man's land where the more i think of it the it's the more reasonable it is to have expected him to be here where he's trying to develop but he's also wrapped up in the idea of winning and i think it's a tough thing especially with this locker room which is still clearly in a transition i mean you have henrik lundquist um and of late i think he's slowly gearing towards being more focused on development which is a big deal um i don't think it's a coincidence necessarily that that coincided with the comments we heard from James Dolan about how the team is, you know, uh, staying true to course with development. They're not going to do anything desperate to get into the playoffs. But it's uh, it's important for us to keep a close eye on what happens with this roster after the trade deadline. And if Quinn embraces the idea of giving the kids the most valuable roles on the team to develop. And that means top power play unit that means top six forwards that means you know giving those younger d an opportunity to kind of cement themselves in the lineup yeah it's sort of the big i think you mentioned it but it's the uh the reality is the timeline here right it's that the rangers are still sort of in a position where they have players on the team that you know they need to trade right and then you have players on the team that you want to give more of a role to 
but you can't do it until those positions have opened up. And I think a really good example of that is Kevin Hayes is kind of blocking the path of Elias Anderson or a Philip Heedle or even a Brett Howden from kind of moving into that top six or top nine role. So what I think the New York Rangers are trying to do is figure out where everybody kind of fits. And Zuccarello is another example, although the Rangers don't have that much wing talent waiting right now as a player who's kind of in the way, right? So what it really boils down to is here, and to answer the question directly, you know, what's a midseason report card on Coach Quinn? I think it's impossible to give one, to be completely honest, because I think Mike and I have certainly sat here and told you a lot of the good things we've seen. I know we've talked about some of the bad things we've seen, but we don't know what. I'm going to say C plus, not impossible. Well, you're going to say C plus. Like, as the grade period, I'm going to say incomplete. But if I had to give him a grade, I think C-plus or B-minus would be fair. Well, impossible is such a strong word, Joe. I'm trying well, to give the people the content they you, want. You well, know, the people want, I mean, but how can you grade Quinn when you don't know what decisions are his? And, and listen, I think Mike brought up a good if point. If he was a the, color, I would give him uh, a zesty clear, orange. Be the color clear. Oh, zesty orange. A zesty that orange. Sounds, I like that, zesty <laughs> But what is, is, are bright colors good or are they bad? I, I'm not responsible um, for the providing the scale. Well, then m- mine would be midnight blue. Ooh. And I don't know what that's. They're very contrasting colors of one another, which actually I think that's Mike and I take. have contrasting views on Quinn in general. I just I think it's it's hard for you to really sit here and be in panic mode or over the moon mode until you've seen what the team looks like once the sell-off happens. Because I've seen a lot of really good things from a development standpoint from guys like Howden and Pionk and um, very much so uh, more like a Zibanejad and a Fast. And, you know, we're getting there with Buchnevich and Hedl. And then I've seen a lot of things that have made me very concerned with guys like D'Angelo and at times Hedl and at times Buchnevich. So, you know, why is Ryan McLeod in the lineup? Is Adam McQuaid in the lineup because they're going to trade him? Do you really need to play Zuccarello? Especially or Cody McLeod, sorry. Do you really need to trade Zuccarello, um, especially with his struggles, at 20 minutes a night? There's just there's so much we don't know yet that, yeah, I, I think it's okay to be underwhelmed with where Quinn is right now because the Rangers suck. And there's maybe been some more difficult transitions than we expected, but I do, and there's those beeps that hopefully I'm blocking out. I uh, I do think that you know there are reasons to be concerned, and I do think that there are reasons to be optimistic. But I, I also truly believe, not as a cop out, I truly believe that it's impossible to answer that question until we've gotten a look at what he does when he's not worried about building up trade assets. I want to. Mike, I want to retort. No, I retort. So if we're gonna judge David Quinn, let's say we have to, and we're talking about development versus getting tied up in wins, um, which I think you could also safely say is him trying to win games the way he thinks this roster will win games. Because why? Why else would he put Cody McLeod in the lineup over, you know, a player who is far more valuable to the team? Um, Not to get into the specifics, but. Looking at things from the anecdotal perspective, Joe, before the last week or so, has he given Georgiev or Gorgiev as much as an opportunity as he should compared to how many starts he's given Lundqvist? Like, absolutely not. Has he given D'Angelo a fair shake? Absolutely not. Has he given, you know, Pionk, uh, put Pionk in a position where he can succeed? Absolutely not. Uh, was that we just saw that, uh, 
was that CJ um, Torturo, he had that, you know, with zone entries against that Pianca is just awful in terms of holding the blue line. One defense for 77 entry chances. It just... It's but insane. He's on he's on the the quote unquote shutdown pair for this but, team. But wouldn't you ask for that from a developmental standpoint? Like, haven't we been begging for players to be given uh, enough leash to choke themselves? I think. But the problem I have with Pionk in particular is that he's choked himself time and again now. And the biggest problem there is the evaluation of Pionk and Stahl. We've learned as much as we can possibly learn about Pionk and Stahl. We have that conclusion. It's a bad idea. We have so many other right-handed D we could try. I mean, I should say so many other left-handed D we can try with Pionk and to get a better idea of what he is and isn't capable of. Furthermore, you know, with his injury, like, it was an opportunity to get these other guys in the lineup, but we're learning, like, yeah, he's just this... Right now, he's a one-dimensional kind of specialist D. He's really good in the offensive zone. Not even that one-dimensional. I think I brought it up before, but six points in his last 20 games, and that's not a, you know, knock on Neil Pionk because he's still a kid learning the NHL, but part of the reason why it was so easy to just kind of accept his struggles on both ends of the ice was because he was on, like, a 56-point pace, and that is completely dried up, so... You know, when I think about my issues with the way that Pionk is being used, it's that why mm. is Pionk looked at one way and D'Angelo the other? And yeah, yes, that's my the, problem. The, the Mark is. Stahl thing. Now, Quinn had a comment, I think, in the post today or yesterday that he sees Stahl as kind of an emotional leader and a lot of guys are learning from him. So is this Quinn saying, you know, I know this isn't really working, but I think Pionk can learn a lot from Stahl, which on the ice, I think would be kind of insane, but if it's an emotional or mental aspect, I think it's a little bit different, but well, yeah, he trying to teach him how to there. like teach him how to deal with the Don't fact do it, that Mike. You, you let up, you let up an awful goal by going Don't. down when you shouldn't have in the defensive zone. I mean, you are, this is not even zesty orange. This is bright anger. Red. It's a, it's a, a passion fruit. It's a, it's a passion red. All right. Next question. Felipe Ghostine. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty hefty name. If you can get a serious offer for Zuccarello, meaning a first round or a really good prospect, isn't it worth it to consider keeping him? He will surely take a pay cut if the Rangers keep him. I could see him taking a three-year, $3 million deal. Wouldn't it be worth considering? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I flip. I don't know if I read his question correctly. He's saying if you can't get a serious offer for Zuccarello. Oh. So if you can't get a first or a really good prospect. Um you know, I think that's something that's going to get brought up, especially because, you know, Zuccarello's outwardly unhappy. We discussed that a little bit on the last podcast, episode 122. Um, his play has been pretty terribly impacted by his unhappiness. I think that's fair to say, right? And we're seeing Matt Zuccarello more the point every other game player than Matt Zuccarello the on pace for a 60-point player, right? And, and there have been some pretty big struggles in his game right now. He's gotten off to a little bit of a hot streak. He's got 18 points in 32 games now, so things are kind of trending in the right direction. But I don't see any value in keeping Zuccarello, Mike. Do you? Well, that's the real question here, is we have to ask, outside of intangibles, what do the Rangers stand to gain if they say, we're not going to settle and get... A deal that is below our expectations and what we consider fair at the deadline. Uh, we're going to hold on to Zuccarello um, because, you know, he might bring an important element to the team. And I'm not saying that's impossible, 
but I think in the full context of how he's made it really abundantly clear that this has been a distraction for him all season long, that he's going to get traded. You know, it's been on his mind. It's affected his game. He's admitted that much. To keep him around, I just think, is a would really be, ex- like, it's not a huge factor to consider, but it would be extra cruel to Zook in a, in a big way, wouldn't it? Just to... You know, well, yeah, you of, put him through all that, and, and yeah. then you don't even trade him. And, and what's worse is that, like, here's the other thing that I uh, I think needs to be taken into consideration, and something that if I was Jeff Gordon, I would have already done um, on the sly, of course, of course, because it's illegal. But if Zuccarello loves New York that much, you can have a very real conversation with him that a rebuilding team cannot let him walk away for nothing. You're going to give him an opportunity to play for the Stanley Cup, and if he really wants to come back, you can have contract negotiations over the summer. And I don't think it's a, a ludicrous thing to do with Zuccarello. I think that he's a veteran presence. He's obviously very good at what he does. He's somebody that's great in the locker room. Like, yeah, is he going to help you in the right away, you know, we're going to contend in two or three years? Yes, but he'll definitely be on the older side. And if it's a, if it's a team-friendly contract, if he takes a three-year, $9 million deal over the summer, I don't think anybody would really bat an eye. I certainly wouldn't. But the flip side, too, is you have a it depends on what they get back. Once you if the Rangers liquidate him, they liquidate Hayes, they, you know, go they get something from McQuaid and there's all sorts of trades on the horizon. You could be bringing in more talent than you know what to do with. And if the Rangers go in that direction, that they're looking for either more NHL ready prospects or younger players who are maybe in the NHL right now, but don't have as much room to breathe then maybe Zuccarello doesn't need to be brought back. But no, for me especially, any value you get for him at this point, if it's a second rounder, it's a second rounder. The same thing with Grabner. I just, I don't see how you can keep him after everything you've gone through. It would be a huge letdown to not get something like a first and a prospect or an elite prospect and like a second for Zook. Um, With that being said, you know, it's, if that's the price you can get, that's the price you take. Uh, It's, it would not, obviously be an ideal situation but the good news is that even though you know there's been a lot written including by phil at the banter about how it's a buyer's market there's a lot of teams that are selling valuable pieces there's not a lot of teams that have players similar to zuccarello um you know right wingers who have the ability to generate offense and create offense uh wingers with left-handed shots there are there are some don't get me wrong but Zuccarello has pretty good standing among that class, uh, particularly in regards to his production versus his team's production. You know, he's been a huge part of the Rangers just in terms of just putting up points the last, you know, most of a decade, really. So for that reason alone, I'm not too concerned. But if, it, if everything falls apart, you just got to kind of take what you can get. And at the end of the day, that's more valuable than holding on to him because really, is it really that much better of a chance that he signs a sweetheart deal to stick around and be a veteran that helps this team? Like, it's just it's so hard to predict whether or not that would be true. But yeah, you, you can't you can't get nothing for him. And and Philip actually he or Felipe, sorry, actually had a second part of the question that yeah. was kind of an explanation. He's saying you know you're going to get a return on Nemestikov and and Hayes and maybe faster Kreider if the deal is there. You know. Zuccarello is the backbone of the team and if you can only get a second for him I think it would be more worth it to keep him but for what he's been through 
for where the team is, and I even wrote a story on this, no, you, you, you have to get everything you can from every asset. And if the only blood you can get from the stone with Zuccarello is a second-round pick, then so be it. But the good news is that the NHL is very much so a reputation league, even to this day and age. And Zuccarello is a you know, .67 player, point-per-game player. He had 53 points last year, and that was a down year. He had 59 two years ago, 61 three years ago. He's been that player. And, you know, I'm actually starting to think that his comments to Larry Brooks kind of help the Rangers because it shows to potential buyers that this trade scenario has gotten to him. And that's part of the reason why he's not playing well. And the flip side there, too, is the Rangers fucking suck. They just And he's suck. been great lately. You know, he's right. And that he's I think the past four or five games, he's been back to his old self. So um, Adam Klein, who was your fourth line center in 1920? Ooh, that's a good question, Adam. It's um, a great question. And I wonder if he's related to Kevin Klein. Oh, uh, I kind of wanted to be Bunievis, right? That would be fun. But that was my first thought was Nieves, he, but you yeah. sound like you have a point on this one. Well, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like with Quinn here, I feel like we could see something of rotation where Leas would be on the third line. Or the fourth line, depending on what the hell happens with Quinn and the rest of uh, Anderson's season in the AHL. And that's not meant to be a shot at Leas Anderson, um, mind you. It's just, uh, I really like the idea of giving a young guy an opportunity. Um, We don't really know what the Rangers are going to do. I feel like we'll get a significantly better idea of the answer to that question once we figure out where Hayes ends up. Yeah, that was going to be my spot. And... The other part of that I think that's important is that I don't think we talk about enough is the Rangers last season were willing um, to kind of take on guys who seem to have value, but also guys like Nemestikov and Spooner, I should say, where they're bodies to fill their NHL roster. And if they add another kind of center um, to kind of alleviate another team's cap and a big deal... That also could be a factor here. But with all that being said, I want it to be Nieves. And then down the road, I'd be over the moon happy if it was Tim Gettinger. Your your answer was so good that I couldn't even say anything. That's how good it was. Or Tim Gettinger, um, sorry. Yeah, He's very the, tall. I like him. He's tall boy. The, the reality of the situation is you're not going to have an answer to this question, unfortunately, until... Um, we're dealing with understanding what the Rangers are going to have in the cupboard moving forward. When that's after Zook is gone and Hayes is gone and maybe Nemestikov is gone, you know, maybe Fast is gone, maybe Kreider is gone, although I doubt it's going to be all four of them. If you made me answer the question right now, I would probably agree with Mike. It looks like Booney Eves is probably working his way into that conversation. Um, Tim Gettinger, I think, is a little bit more of a long a long shot, but right now Bunieves is playing pretty well, so I think it would be him. I'd like to see it be him, but even so, you're talking about you know Zabanajad, Heedle, Howden, and then who is it? Anderson? Is it Nieves? Do you not want Anderson there? Fogarty's a center. Yeah, I don't know if Fogarty's really a long-term option. Neither do uh, I, but. He's not had a bad season this season. No, I don't. I don't. And listen, you're talking about a Hartford team that is pretty oh, terrible. So pretty bad. They're pretty bad they're team. not they're not the greats at the hockey's. So 
Yeah, I, I think it's a good question. I think right now the answer is probably Nieves. It could be Anderson, I guess, but I'm not sure I want Anderson in that role long term. But yeah, right now it's Nieves. That's what I think it's going to end up being. Whether they need to, you know, move Anderson to wing or, or move Heedle to wing or whatever they need to do to make it work, that's probably where we're sitting. Jason J. Kolb. I'm starting to get worried they're not going to make the trades that we are hoping they will. Hey, Zuccarello, etc. Do you see a scenario where this doesn't happen? No. There's no scenario where, you know, they don't sell off at least a little bit. I mean, you can certainly be worried about what the return for Hayes is going to be like or even Zuccarello is going to be like. And I think there's a very real opportunity for them to be the only two people traded. Um, as much as I think that would probably be a mistake, they are the two biggest names. And you have to get value for them somewhere. The more important one is obviously Hayes. But I don't see, you know, it's a buyer's market right now, but the Rangers still have two of the biggest pieces on that market, especially in Hayes that everybody knows is going to be available and everybody's going to want a piece of. With the way he's playing, with the way the New York Rangers are playing, I think it speaks volumes just to how well he's doing. And there's not a single team in contention that wouldn't want to get their hands on an enormous center that you could even put on your third line and have them dominate there or move them up into the top six. So I don't think, uh, you, if you want to be worried about the returns, that's a different conversation. But there's Worry no scenario the where the Rangers yeah. don't make the trades. When the smoke clears, there's no way that, you know, Hayes and Zook are still here. Like, it just, it's really, really, really unlikely to the point where I would say that's more impossible than it is to grade, you know, Quinn at this point it's you know whether or not they can find bias for Adam McQuaid and Cody McLeod you can be worried about that Uh, I don't think they're gonna be able to move McLeod I hope they can move McQuaid and like the real thing for me is if you the Rangers need to try and get at least a fourth round pick for McQuaid because otherwise this was just a, a disaster of a small trade which people you know a lot of people say, oh, what's, what's the problem with a trade like that? You know, it's just all it costs is a fourth-round pick. How often do those become NHL players? But the problem is he's been nothing but an obstruction. You know, we've talked about that a lot on the show. Don't need to go into it anymore. But if there's enough guys, you know, the UFAs are McLeod, McQuaid, Zook, and Hayes. It's very likely that at least three of them get moved, and it's more or less guaranteed that two of them get moved because any team that's in the hunt for the cup would love to add Kevin Hayes or Matt Zuccarello. There's also, there's a couple of teams that really aren't in playoff contention, but, and the Oilers are really a perfect example of this where Peter Shirelli, their general manager is literally general managing for his job, right? Like he's doing anything that he can possibly do to save his position on that team. And it's being reported right now that the Oilers organization is in a full court press to find any forward help. They're sending out scouts and staff members anywhere. But Jimmy he, he's saying cap situation can make it tough. This is Ryan uh, Rishog? Rishog? TSN. But a first-round pick, a goaltender, maybe a young developing forward, likely all in play. That's a perfect team to trade Hayes to. And Hayes can't say no. He doesn't have a clause. So I think the Rangers, you know, they definitely, they have a mutual agreement here to do right by one another. But I don't think Jeff Gordon should feel bad at all for sending Hayes anywhere, be it Alberta or someplace else, because also he's a free a good, agent at the end of the year. Also a good fit for Vlad, maybe, is moving Vladdy there. But Yeah, but I think they're loose. And contracts. you know what, as, as much as I hate to say it, Michael, what about a Mr. Chris Kreider? I know. 
or even a Zuccarello. We've discussed this before. Zuccarello would be a 100-point player with Connor McDavid. Yeah. Easily. He'd put, put, maybe be, he'd put up a billion points with the way he Crater could pass the puck. would be an 80-goal forward with... Uh, he would be a 900 million goal forward. How many goals does Chase on have with McDavid? Like 17 something? I have no idea. You've asked me a question that I don't know the answer to. Oh! So. I like that. Point one. Travis. Oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Jaskowski? Nope. Jaskowis? Travis J. Travis J. Travis J. Thanks for listening to the show, Travis. TJ. Oh, TJ's good. TJ, what's going to happen with Buchnevich? I don't fully understand the question. I told you Mike and I are both surprised by these. Um, I, I, if you're asking it in the sense of, like, he's an RFA at the end of the year, I think the Rangers would be insane to cut ties with him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be traded. I think David Quinn recognizes his, you know, talent and ability, even though he was on the fourth line the other day for reasons that I can't figure out. But you're, even so, we're talking about a a guy who's probably not having the best year, right? He's got 13 points in 29 games. We're certainly not seeing the Buchnevich that I think we were all expecting, but I don't think he's playing bad hockey. And again, the Rangers are kind of a clusterfuck, right? Like outside of Hayes and Zibanejad and, and Kreider, you're not really seeing a ton of dominant offense from anywhere. And unless you're consistently playing with those players, like what what are you going to do? You know what I mean? And this is very much so me sort of, you know, I don't want to say making excuses for, but it's certainly me painting a rosier picture of a guy who's struggled. It's Booch is such a, is become really one of the guys we talk about a lot when we're trying to evaluate what Quinn has done. And it's hard for a lot of people because it's very hard to separate Booch potentially under an underperforming from that can what I'm trying to say is like it's not mutually exclusive that Booch can be not be playing up to expectations and that Quinn can be failing him. Like both of those things can be true. And the general idea I get from Buchnevich's play is he's, his possession numbers are still pretty good. Uh, what we see from him in terms of production, obviously not great. He's been hurt with a you know significant injury this season. He's only played the 29 games right now, Joe. And it's not terribly surprising that he's had kind of the season he's had given, you know, if, if you ask me what sort of numbers you would expect if I told you, you know, he's missed, you know, what was it, like 16 games and that, you know, he's been moved around the lineup all over the place. Like, would you expect him to have a ton more points than this? I mean, it's totally possible. He's definitely got the skill for it. But and, and that's this is, why I'm not worried, really. Yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not worried about really anyone's production, especially considering what it is we're looking at right now. Right, like this team is so bad, and it's just there's no defense. There's the systems that are in place. I could I mean they could be working. I guess here, like here's what I wanted to get to. You have Zabanajad with 37 points. Okay. You have Kreider with 33. You have Hayes with 33. You know where the drop-off is from that point forward? VC is 23. Pionk is 20. Zuccarello is 8. Who, like, where are you going to, and I get it, like, guys like Buchnevich need to be putting up more points, right? Buchnevich has, I should say this, Buchnevich has a better expected goals for ratio than Zuccarello, than Nemesnikov, 
uh, than VC by a mile. You know, it's yeah. VC's having a very lucky year, but even like, so, I mean, the Rangers are not getting offense. He's right in the same neighborhood as Zibanejad in terms of even strength expected goals for potential. Potential, right. and that's uh, uh, so. With, no, I'm not worried about not, him with a not great situation in terms of how he's been used. Um, you know, he I think his PDO is pretty high. Like it's it's north of 100 the last time I was looking at it, but like again. I look at all these things and I say he's still a pretty young guy and he's been banged up. Maybe he's not the first line winger. Some people, myself included, were hoping he would be, you know, 18 months or 12 months ago. That doesn't mean he can't be an effective and valuable top six forward. I think he's still very much, you know, on pace to develop into that player. The big question is, is whether or not he's going to be given that opportunity. And he's another player. Like, take out your highlighter and drag it across his name. After the deadline, we want Buchnevich to be in that top six, like, stapled to that top six. Not getting shuffled around, but being leaned on and asked to be a guy who carries this team. And that's exactly where, you know, I come back to the whole timeline with Quinn. You know, I need to know what things look like once that goes on. I need to know what things look like once the sell-off happens because I'm I'm not in the room. I certainly don't have any inside information in terms of why David Quinn is making the decisions that he's making in the lineup. So it, it's just it's important for me to have an understanding of what things look like when everything is completely level and the playing field is level. So, you know, it's just uh, we don't know until we know. All right, let's see. Who do we have now? Oh, we have Michael Silvers, who we should not even ask this question because Mr. Silvers forgot to use the hashtag bantering points. But you know what? He's a, he's a patron. He gets a freebie. He, he is a patron. You're right. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Um, oh, his is actually a question about Bushnevich as well that I sort of answered. See, I told you we don't we don't oh. actually read these. We want to be surprised. Oh, I want to say one more thing. Actually, I should wait to hear because I think it's interesting the players he's played the most amount of ice with, Booch, but keep going. Bridge deal, trade, or back to the KHL for Buchnevich when his entry-level contract is up this season. Ooh. You know I'm all here for that that sweet, sweet contract extension. And I listen, I'm, I'm going to point this out too. I would 1,000% avoid the bridge deal. If you can get Buchnevich for, let me throw a figure out at you. If I give you a four-year, $12 million contract for Buchnevich, you're signing on the dotted line, are you not? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Given that the cap's going up and... You give him a little bit of money up front, and you you know if it's a complete disaster, he's 23. It is what it is. It's important to remember he had 43 points last season in a similar, like, not ideal situation. Um, 43 points in 74 games. I'm not... I understand that you and I probably both sound like we're just in love with Buchnevich, but that's... I am kind of in love with Buchnevich. Yeah, it's fair. But, and like, I'm obviously a big fan of him, of his and his play, but... I feel like you want guys like Buchnevich around when you're trying to, to develop and identify guys like Philip Hedl. You want, you need these skilled wingers. The Rangers don't have any of these guys. If if you give Buchnevich like that three-year deal you're talking about, Joe, um, or even a four-year deal, or you know, like you you give him a deal that's past a bridge deal, in other words, but not insane, obviously. Is it going to hurt this team? This team that doesn't have anyone on the books after. What is it like 2021, 2022, except for Brady Shea? Of course not. It's not going to hurt the team. Yeah, I I don't think so either. And it's going to be a bunch of this roster is only going to get younger. It's only we're only going to see more entry level contracts on the books and bridge deals. In other words, 
you know, it would, would not at all be surprising, Joe, if Zabinajad's 5.35 million cap hit is the biggest on the book among the forwards for, what, like the next... If, if Obviously, if the Rangers don't sign Panarin, is the huge asterisk. Oh, Panarin's but, coming. I yeah, can feel like, it in my bones. But let's say it's... Okay, well, let's say it's Panarin and Zabinajad. So they have whatever Panarin has. You have Zabinajad at 5.35, and then you have Kreider at 4.625. And then Vlad at 4 million, and Ryan Stroman and Vlad are both gone after next season, probably. And then what are you? What are you? What are we talking about here? Does it matter if Booch is getting three million if you give him Ryan Strom's cap hit? Of course not. Doesn't matter one bit. Uh, I would agree with that. Eric Carlson, not that Eric Carlson. Eric, I, uh, I wanted to point question. out the most oh, ice time, God, most time on ice for for Booch in terms of Bringing teammates logic onto the podcast. is uh, is Brett Howden. He's spent the most time with Brett Howden, and anyone who's looked at Brett Howden's underlying numbers can tell you that Brett Howden. I love him to death, but he is not uh he's not an NHL center right now. Mike would have Brett Howden over for dinner right now. He'd cook him a nice meal. Does, I love what, bits. Mike, if you what's your the meal that you cook better than anything else? Uh probably chicken parm. Ooh, you make a good chicken parm, huh? It's because I love chicken parm. Oh, I love chicken parm. You know what? We'll have to we'll have to take a little trip to a special restaurant, a Fortunato family oh. secret restaurant. Right by Grand Central. Makes the greatest chicken parm on the planet. Um Eric Carlson, not that Eric Carlson. Not a McQuaid defender, but you say draft picks are lottery picks. Is it really so mm-hmm. bad we use the fourth round pick to take a chance that Mc, uh, blah, 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 that McQuaid would be better than an AHLer? Yes, you may have gotten someone great, but you also knew it wouldn't be awful. I'm ignoring several other downsides, like the clog it caused on D and taking away minutes from the kids, mostly focusing on if it's worth it using a later round pick on a known entity, even if it's not the best one, instead of rolling the dice. Um... It's an interesting perception of the trade, and and here's the thing: if we're ignoring the the clog it caused on D and taking away minutes from the kids, like is it the worst thing in the world? Not really, and I don't think we ever said that that was the reason why it was the worst thing in the world. Here was why it was an issue: rebuilding teams don't trade assets for players like McQuaid. Rebuilding teams don't intentionally block the passage of kids, and that's exactly what McQuaid did. And now doing, and again, is Quinn playing him because Quinn actually thinks he's good? Or is Quinn playing him because Quinn doesn't know what he needs to do to get the assets, you know, to get his trade value up? And I don't know the answer to either of those questions, so I'm just going to let Mike speak. Well, I think the important thing to remember here is the Rangers had a choice um, that they made with with the McQuaid deal. They had already signed Clayson, um, and that's that's a very important thing for us to remember here. Is that they had signed Clayson? There are there were other guys out there who did not cost nearly as much, who could fill a similar role. Um, and the Rangers also dealt for McQuaid after choosing to re-sign Cody McLeod. It's if we kind of take a closer look at what all that means, it means they. If I mean, it's hard for me to just say let's forget about the fact that he's you know clogged up the arteries of the defense and. Uh, has you know obstructed the development of younger players because those are a big part of this but Stephen Camper was not going to be on this NHL roster and if he was it would have been just a, a very bad thing I can't even think of a good word here it would have been really poor asset management the fact that the Rangers traded for a guy who likely wasn't going to be on the roster um, and acquired a guy who would really just end up getting in the way 
tells us that they either really didn't believe in Clayson and D'Angelo and Pionk, and probably Brandon Smith, I should throw his name in there too, Joe, or they just said he's bringing a skill set that is more valuable to us than giving those guys a fair shake at earning that ice time. And that, to me, is kind of the crux of this problem, Joe, is why, why was the McQuaid trade the best solution to this perceived problem? And or a solution at all, right? Like, why was that even yeah. on the table? What did what does McQuaid bring, honest to God, that you couldn't have gotten in like a Ryan Crowley, right, or anybody else who's in Hartford right now? I mean, you took a spot away from Tony D'Angelo or in another the grand kid. Scheme of things. Ryan Lindgren, well, a young that, kid, who right? Plays tough as shit, hits people. Tough like, as shit. Is shit even tough? Depending like everybody on the day, says that. Though. I don't know of any shit that's actually tough. You never had like a hard poop? That well, I have, sometimes. but once it's out, it's the, all right, this is taking a turn. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, I'm with you. There, like, was it the worst thing in the world? No. Is it the the fourth round pick? Isn't the problem? The problem was the thinking that went into oh, this is a solution that we need to move forward with. That's all. Um, Mang Snipes. Considering where the Rangers will most likely draft, when looking at the standings and how they'll most likely not be a top two pick, which pick would you make it, say, the sixth draft position overall? So, Mike and I are probably not the experts for this type of a question. I will tell you that just from a little bit of preliminary research and, you know, my understanding of what the Rangers do and don't like, I think it's pretty safe to say that a guy like Trevor Zegres is on their board um, Dylan Cozens is somebody that I think could fall to six that everybody would want a piece of. Obviously, the the real goal is to get yourself into the Hughes or Capo Caco game. But, you know, is Alex Newhook somebody that the Rangers would potentially consider there? Ryan Suzuki, there are a bunch of players that, and again, we, we kind of need to let things develop a little bit more and go. It's, the World Juniors is just over. Everybody will have their reports You're out You're talking soon. about a lot of centers, though, Joe, aren't you? I, I, I am talking about a lot of centers um, because the, I don't think you can have enough of them. Well, that's, I think the, it's interesting. Cousins is a wing. Oh, is Cousins a wing? He is a wing. I I just knew that um, Suzuki's a center and Zegers. Suzuki's a center, Newhook is a center, and Zegers is a center. Yeah. But I I, I just, and just knowing the New York Rangers, those are some of the guys that I can absolutely see them wanting a piece of. A thousand percent. Just knowing them, just knowing the Rangers. But again, I'm not the expert here. It's just a matter of whether or not. Who knows where the Rangers are going to fall? Because the Rangers suck right now, and they haven't even begun the sell-off yet. So yeah, they could I, I think that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, this, like I mentioned Dolan's comments before. Dolan said, like, you know, we're, this is not an organization. No New York team is ever going to tank, right? And that's it's like, okay, but if you trade away all your assets because you want to get more draft picks in your rebuilding, that is just a roundabout way of getting worse uh, for a good reason, which is essentially tanking. And the Rangers could end up having one of the worst five records in the league easily by the time this is all over. Um, especially if they continue on this way um, and don't find, you know, they're not going to suddenly find solutions to getting their asses kicked in, you know, generating scoring chances and generating shots at even strength all season long. But it's, it's interesting to me what's going to be there because I feel like most of us would agree finding, you know, someone, a, a scoring winger, really regardless of the wing at this point because it, the pool is that shallow in the organization. You know, there's there's Kako and there's Pudkulzin. There's no way I'm saying that name right. 
And then there's a lot of debate after which wingers that are eligible for this draft kind of come up next. Um, I know looking at like a Sportsnet article from earlier in December. And, you know, He's cheating. Well, yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to give. I was using myNHLDraft.com just to oh, just get go. some names on my face. But like the point I'm trying to make here is just like we don't know what's going to happen with the Rangers, so much can change from where these prospects are ranked between now and draft day. And, yeah, we and I see was trying it, to make that point too. We see it all the goddamn time, and it's it's really important. Like all you need to do is look at Kravstov. Like Kravstov was this late dark horse pick that was just like, whoa, what are the Rangers thinking? And then ever since then, it's been, oh, the Rangers did their homework. Um, maybe there's another guy like that um, that the Rangers have, you know, kind of kept tabs on and being quiet about. I don't know. We'll have to see how things shake out. But I think the more important thing really is to identify what the organizational needs are. And that's why the play under Quinn, and I should say Keith McCambridge in Hartford as well, is so important. It's important to identify like, what's this team ideally going to look like in three or four years when it should be, you know, kind of surfacing from the rebuild? And where are those holes that need to be filled, Joe? And I think it's the wing and, and defense, particularly on the right side. Adam Hartman, <clears throat> has Joe figured out how to pronounce Revelation yet? I have, bitch. All right, that answers that question. Moving Dion on. New York Rangers, as it historically takes defensemen longer to develop, it appears that the rebuild from a defensive position is behind the offense and goaltending. It's especially true if the Rangers sign Panarin. What would be your strategy to course correct this? I would say they kind of already have. Yeah, last year's okay, first Andre round. Miller, Nils yeah. Lundqvist. I mean, the Rangers picked. I mean, um, the, the Rangers picked a slew of defensemen last year. Um, I'm going to pronounce Rikov, his name wrong. They got and uh, you know Libor. They, they I forgot about Rikov and yeah, yeah that's Libor a Hayek. lot of a lot of guys that are 21 and under that they added last year. Um, that's definitely one way to kind of course correct. But with that being said, it it would not at all be a bad idea to keep their eyes and ears open for that like there are enough young goaltenders here that they shouldn't be wasting draft picks on goaltenders like they did last season that was just an unforgivably dumb idea um that we don't want to see repeated they the process is longer and i think it's fair to say that that's the case for everybody but the Rangers really have put the same way that they turned around and they said, okay, you know what? We need goaltenders. We don't have any goaltending depth. And boom, the Rangers are chock full of goalies, right? It's the same thing right now with the defensemen. The Rangers probably have a guy in Hayek who you could think has a reasonable NHL future. Lindgren is a much less known quantity. You have D'Angelo and Pionk who probably won't be around long term. Shea, who will, um, you know. There's, there's enough out there. Ke'Andre Miller looks like he's going to be a superstar. Granted, it's very early. Nils Lundqvist is playing. I hope I hope it's not Niles. I don't think it is, but I'm not sure. Um, and plays in, the, plays in the SHL. So, you know, the Rangers definitely have talent out there. They've, they've started that process already. Final question. Final question. Fischl Jesus, I guess. What is the best name for the Seattle team in your mind? The Kraken. No way to get out of the Kraken. I like sockeyes or salmon. I don't mind sockeyes either, but Kraken. I'm. A, I Crocken. want them. I want them to go to the green and yellow, like the old Supersonics colors. That's what I want, though. That was a good the, jersey. Yeah, that would be awesome. The green 
Oh, it would be so sick. I'm going to, I'm very Also, want, you know what I want, Joe, is a green and yellow with a brown pants. Ooh, the little, the light brown pants? Or are we going dark yeah. brown? You can go light brown pants. I want Ooh. someone to have the stones, Joe. Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this was the Off the Post special podcast. Thank you all for listening. Um, yeah, we'll just. Uh, I hear you know, Kaylin just. Yeah, kick, she is just stomping things. around. Here she just, comes. She's right up here with Daddy. You want to be on the podcast, sweetheart? So, yes, thank you all for listening. You uh, obviously heard our interview with Carcillo, so that was fun. And, yeah, thank you all for the support, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, folks. Mike and I are both whales. <laughs>